Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Well, on today's show, I have several topics I'd like to cover, but first up, I want to talk about which sports, in your opinion, and your observations, are gaining in popularity with our kids, and which sports are now in decline. And let me tell you how, how I got into this. I had a a delightful time the other evening up in Norwalk, Connecticut, talking about sports parenting issues with the good folks in that community. And I think we all agreed that youth sports has changed dramatically over the years and that too many kids these days are are being pushed off to the the wayside because it's being decided uh, way too early in their lives when they are very young, perhaps age 9 or 10 or 11, that since they aren't in the so-called elite athletic group in their age bracket, uh, that there's no real place for these kids to go on to play sports in middle school or in high school. The end result is that a a good chunk of our kids are basically becoming disenfranchised from sports uh, even before they reach their teenage years. That is, if they want to play sports, uh, I mean, there's, but they, of course they love playing sports, but there's no real outlet for them since they didn't make uh, or couldn't afford a travel team when they were 10. So basically their sports careers are over even before they really got started. That, that to me is a very disturbing trend. It was also disconcerting news to hear that fewer and fewer kids are trying out for baseball or softball in several Connecticut towns. Uh, towns where traditionally baseball and softball have been very, very strong. Now, the numbers for these uh, these popular sports apparently are dwindling and dwindling quickly over the last several years. Now, of course, some might say that the numbers for baseball and softball are shrinking because of the impact of, of lacrosse. But the folks I spoke to in the Norwalk area, well, they told me that, no, that really wasn't the case, that, that lacrosse, which did have a real spurt of popularity over the last uh, 10 years, those numbers are sort of leveled off as well. So it's just that the kids in general aren't playing baseball or softball anymore. So that, that's my first question of the day, and I'm eager to get your thoughts about this. In your own town or community, are you also seeing a decreasing or substantial number of kids uh, trying out for baseball and softball? Are the numbers just going down, down, down? I'm curious to find that out. And I want to know, uh, and of course, give me a call. Our toll-free line is one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts Atlantic City. Uh, and how about other sports? I mean, not just maybe baseball and softball. Are you seeing trends in other sports as well? Are the numbers going up or are they going down? And I'm particularly interested in this at the youth level. And I wonder because, is it because, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the kids who become marginalized or shunned because when they were 9 or 10, uh, they've now lost interest in competitive sports. And now we're seeing the results with fewer kids trying out for uh, sports in high school. 
or is it because like sports like uh, like baseball and softball? Well, you know, let's face it, they're they're difficult sports to master and to play well, and then kids are just losing interest early on. And then there's another factor in all of this, and and I think that's something that we often overlook, and that's the concept of fun. Playing sports in school with one's friends is supposed to be driven at its base by kids having fun. But I honestly do think when we as parents place so much emphasis on tryouts and travel teams and getting ahead, you know, for our kids, we often forget to ask our children if they're actually having fun playing sports, whether this is enjoyable to them. And maybe if it's not enjoyable, maybe that's why the kids are no longer interested in playing sports uh, as they get older. one 337 6666 I want to get into this and see what you're seeing uh, in your own town and community when it comes to sports, which ones are on the rise, which ones are on the decline, and, of course, why? What are the reasons why? Okay, let's start our conversation this morning with Joe out in Hazlitt. Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How you doing today? Good, Joe. How are you? Doing well. Uh, I grew up in Hazlitt. I've been here for about 27 years. When I played baseball, we had several teams, about six to seven teams in my age group. Now my kids go who play Hazlitt ball, softball, and baseball. Mm-hmm. And they're hard enough that they can't even get two, two solid softball teams for the girls' team. And I just don't understand, is it because the computers, it's not as fun, it's not as uh, instant gratification for kids anymore? Well, Joe, do you think that has a lot to do with it? Well, you know, it's funny. One of my, In my notes here, I was going to bring up the fact that one of the sports, and I use that word sport because I don't know how to, to define it as sport, is uh, the, the whole idea of e-gaming or video games, which become very, very popular as TV shows and online, of course. Now, e-gaming involves, obviously, eye-hand coordination to work the, the controls, and, of course, they keep score, so technically I guess it's a sport. But do we think that as those, that sport is rising in popularity, that, that boys and girls are just beginning to walk away from softball and baseball? I mean, it's it's very odd. I mean, do you have any more thoughts or uh, what, what's your sense? Well, my, my two daughters are just a, a different breed. My wife is a, a college athlete. I was a college athlete, so it's in their DNA. But all their girlfriends, they would rather just hang out and do and, and play, do do other things on the computer than than actually go out and play basketball, go out and play softball. You know. Yeah. Go out and play softball. And I'm saying this is that's the general trend I'm I'm seeing. Joe, thank you for the call. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, let's go to Anthony out in Floral Park. Anthony, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Good morning. So I wanted to speak to the point about uh, kids losing interest or being pushed out of sports by the age of 10, 11. I, I'm a travel soccer coach as well as a CYO basketball coach. Uh huh. And um, I was also a Division One college athlete myself. I said. You could see it already. I mean, sports, when we played, was far different. Obviously, we talked about that nauseam. We could just go out, and there was kids out on the and ready to play. Right. Just It's simply not like that. And the bottom line is, if, if it's not organized, there's no kids playing. Correct. And you start to see, with, with AAU basketball taking over from the CYO, et cetera, that it is a culture of winning and not a culture of teaching. I mean, for and what I where I applaud youth soccer, what they've started to do is they put a huge mandate on coaching, 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 coaching for development, not coaching for winning. And they've changed the rules across the board in order to do that. 
so I think what's happened is where you, you have uh, the AAU has kind of co-opted basketball, travel baseballs, and, and, the, and the dads who basically say, hey, I don't like the rules, I'll just start my own. Mm-hmm. They've kind of co-opted it all, and they've created this culture of winning. And you can see, listen, they, they grab their kids, they make sure their kids are starters, they make sure they grab the best kids around. And, and the kids who just really need a lot of development, they're not getting it. Because if they don't get on the field, then they're not successful immediately. The bottom line is they're not picked up by a team. Well, Anthony, that, that's that's a very cogent point and, and a smart observation. And, and, you know, we've known or suspected for some time exactly what you say. If uh, Particularly when the kids are young, uh, at youth level, uh, the, the, if the parents are coaching or have set up the travel program, they're all about winning. And if they want to win and win now, they're going to obviously, uh, you know, use the kids who are more athletically gifted at that age level than spending any time uh, working with the kids who need more development and we need more patience to develop their skills. And, and that's that's at the sort of core of all this, that the kids who don't get that kind of extra development or practice time because of the emphasis upon winning and winning now, those kids begin to realize, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be good enough, and they do walk away or they're shunned. And those kids, I call them sort of like bubble kids. Those are the kids who may develop as they get older in their teenage years to become pretty, pretty uh, you know, strong players, but they're denied that opportunity at a very early age because of the emphasis, as you say, just on winning and winning all the time. Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm, we're on our way driving to a basketball practice, and after basketball we have, and my daughter's only 10, right? And, and I'll be very honest about the reason I got into coaching. I got into coaching very quickly when I started to realize that my child was not going to play because she was lower on the development scale, and she was going to get pushed out really quickly unless I literally got in and, and said, you know what, we need more development here. We need to get these kids, these girls playing and, and developing and, and practicing. So, um, you know, taking, taking that leadership role on because you could see it really clearly it wasn't there in a lot of the coaching. But you, you also notice as a parent, the bottom line is that we're, we're fortunate in the fact that I can jump in and coach. The reality is if I couldn't jump in and coach... Your, your daughter start. wouldn't... No. Yeah, and <laughs> if you couldn't coach and help out or be a, as an assistant, your daughter would be one of those, those bubble kids would be shunned off to the side because you, she wouldn't get any time to develop or play. Simple as you that. You got it. That's yeah. exactly, that is exactly it. And Anthony, that's, that's part of what's happened. Let me move on. Thank you for the call. And, and I, will, I will tell you, and I've said this many times in the show before, if your kid is one of those kids uh, who's involved in a youth program, whether it's basketball, as Anthony was just talking about, but you want to make sure your son or daughter is not forgotten about or not overlooked or is getting enough practice or development, you really owe it to yourself to be an assistant coach. If you can't just be the head coach, be an assistant so you do have a, the, you have a chance to get the ear of the head coach to make sure that there's enough practice and development for all the kids, not just the two or three kids who tend to be you know, the, the stars of the team. I think that's all part of this issue as well. Let's move on to Long Island. Frank, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. Uh, I moved to a fairly affluent town a little over 20 years ago. I had father of four. At the time, I had about an eight-year-old son who was my oldest. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even field a, a, a league uh, uh, for nine, ten, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. We had to move into another town just to play baseball. So I got involved in coaching. I played baseball in college. My father played. You know, that was our sport in my family. Right. And when I began coaching, what I noticed was the people who ran the league, their main objective was 
let's get the best travel team. Mm -hmm. And that turned into money. And mm -hmm. I saw this along the way, how it just changed into a money situation. But I think one of the big issues today is that keep their kids occupied and allow their children to be occupied more with computers and video games. And it takes effort. When my father, he worked two jobs. He made an effort to get me to the baseball field, and I remember that. And when I started coaching, I just want to tell you what my philosophy was. Number one, every kid played every position, and you had to have fun. And I got looked at sideways. Like, what? Like, you, we, we, you know, I have a first baseman. Like, you know, people told me at nine years old, no, my son's a first baseman. No, you know, everyone's going to play every position. Everyone's going to have fun. Number two, they're going to learn something about the game. And number three, by the end of the year, I want them to be able to want to come back to play baseball next year. That's my simple philosophy. Right. And you just don't see it today. All you see is a direct uh, input on the travel, the travel, and that's turned into a big money game. And I, I just don't get it why more parents aren't involved with their children. I think, I think it's a time issue. I think that parents are more busy, and they see that they can be more occupied with video games, computers, oh. And it's just a sad, it's a sad state of affairs because kids are not having the physical activity they need. I, Frank, and, uh, I, everything you I just said. Very well, yeah. with that philosophy. Well, I, I, I applaud the fact that uh, you're doing what you can with your kids and stay them, keep them involved in sports. Frankie, thanks for the call. And that is true. That is, we're all seeing this. That, yeah, it does take a concerted effort to go out and and get your kids involved in athletics. And uh, it's it, if you just want to say now, nah, let the travel coaches take over and. And see what happens. Well, I'm not. You may be doing the wrong thing by your kids in terms, not only in terms of, of introducing them to sports, but also letting their interest in physical activity fall by the wayside. Obviously, we want our kids to stay in physical shape as well. All right, let, let me let me take a pause here. Uh, when I come back, I'll return right to your calls about this issue. Are we seeing declines in particular sports like baseball and softball, and reasons why? Uh, is it because of video games is causing the problem? Uh, 1-877-337-6666, is our number. Dave Uren has your update. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm Rick Wolf. And we're talking about whether you've noticed in your own town or community whether you're seeing fewer numbers or particular sports with your kids. Uh, I think we've already pretty much documented uh, a downturn with baseball and with softball. Uh, I think we all, of course, know that with football, uh, primarily due to the ongoing concern about concussions. The football numbers are down as well. Uh, but I'm curious to, to find out the reasons why, uh, and, and we're taking your calls at one 337 6666 Let's return to our callers. Uh, let's go to our friend Ed over in Jersey. Ed, good morning. Uh, what, what are you saying with baseball and softball, Ed? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a few things. Number one, I think the parents are a big issue. And my reasoning on that is they're all looking for scholarships at such a young age. And I think that I, I don't think the kids want to be be put under pressure with that. So you see, you feel that the, because the parents are thinking to the kids, well, if you're going to play baseball in particular or softball, that uh, you better really be some special because I'm interested in getting your getting a scholarship. But oh, without, without question, I, I see it at games. Uh, I see how parents act at games. I see how parents get on their kids. Like you know, you know, my father, God rest his soul, never never did that. He he, he let us play. Uh huh. And he was just happy at the end of the day if we said to Jeff Fun today that that was the big thing. I think another thing too, travel baseball has has done a lot of of this service at a young age. You don't see people uh, being loyal to literally Cal Ripken or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Even on the middle school levels. 
you know, kids want to play middle school, but they got travel baseball. Let's go to the pitching side. Who do you pitch for? You understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of travel baseball organizations, even if kids are playing middle school, they'll still want that kid to pitch for them. And then that, that just leads up to the arm issues that, that you've had discussions on, on your show. Right, right, right. Ed, do you, do you think it's because of the fact that because of the, the, the prevalence of travel programs at these early ages that the kids begin to realize that they're not the stars at age 10 or 11 on the travel team, that they just sort of walk away and say, well, that's the end of it, and they don't really – they sort of quit on the sport before they give them a chance to really develop? I really feel that. I, I, I think, to be honest, travel baseball from seventh grade on up, if they want to play, play in the summer. Don't have it in the springtime because you, you got too many conflicts going on. I, at the younger level, I don't think you should, should really have travel baseball. I mean, every weekend a parent's going to a tournament, this tournament, that tournament. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. then if they're not not in the championship game or playoff game or stuff, that's when parents get very, very upset. They get ornery about the travel program, and then it, then it becomes an issue if if a younger player wants to play baseball or a certain sport down the road. I, I think that, that that really becomes a big issue. Interesting stuff. Ed, thank you as always. Have a good day. Take care. Uh, you know, and, and it's funny, uh, I just re- was recollecting, we had uh, Joe McElvain on the show a few weeks ago. Joe, of course, the former general manager of the Mets and the San Diego Padres. And uh, he was saying that it's, from his experience, because he goes all over the country scouting ballplayers in high school and college, he thinks it's more of a situation with baseball in particular uh, of a regional situation. For example, he said in Atlanta these days, baseball is uh, the most popular sport down there. That everybody's playing baseball, and it's, it's a sort of a, a boom situation in that part of Georgia. Interesting stuff. Let's go to uh, Frankie in, uh, in Montgomery. Frankie, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Um, good. I think it boils down to two things, cash and corruption. <laughs> I just think you have to have the cash to be in the game, and those coaches that are coaching at an early age are developing their children and their children's friends, and that's how I see it. I have two kids, a girl and a boy, both played baseball, soccer, uh, softball, basketball, and that's exactly what I saw all through Montgomery and through the travel program. Now, when you say corruption, could you? what exactly do you mean by that? Well, exactly. Um, I can give you an example. Uh, ninth grade baseball you had to already be in the booster program a thousand dollars in before you were even, you know, considered for the position. So it's just so corrupt. It's incredible. And unless you have the contacts, the parents that are willing to do that networking and the cash, you're out. But Frankie, you would think that uh, you're not the only one out there who who shares those concerns. As you say, if Mm -hmm. if, uh, you're talking about ninth grade baseball, Mm -hmm. kids are 13 or 14 Right. And, okay. Well, you got to understand the rules are you got to put a thousand bucks up if your kid wants to even have a chance to be on the team or to play the position right. that he wants. Pretty uh, much. Don't the other parents in your community feel the same way that that's kind of like, you know, as you say, corrupt? I don't know because it's unspoken. It's all under, like, it's all networking. And unless you're in that game, you, you're, uh, it's, it's pretty deep. Well, that's 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 very disturbing to hear. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. I, I'm telling you it, and I'm sure it's not just with Montgomery Town. Oh gosh, no, I am no, positive. No. I mean, I have a, I'm a teacher, and I have a little kid in sixth grade who really wants to play yeah. sports, and her family does not have the cash to play. So it's it's sad she can't play. 
Well, this is what I was saying a few minutes ago that, uh, you know, because uh, travel programs have become so so dominant that uh, in, in many, many communities, I mean, as you say, $1,000 is a lot of money. And yeah. if, if kids may be talented, but if the parents don't have the, the financial wherewithal to put that kind of money on the table, mm-hmm. the, the travel opportunity goes by the boards. Now, some travel teams say they offer scholarships, so to speak. But, you know, the fact mm-hmm. is the people, the travel programs are about making money. Yeah, it's not so much right. about progressing your kid. It, these are for-profit operations. Unlike mm-hmm. school schools, uh, school programs where, where, you know, any kid who tries out can make the team based upon their athletic merit. Uh, right. And, but even even below that, you have to consider they've got to go get the sneakers. They've got to get the of course. clothes. They've got, <clears throat> yeah. they got to get all that apparel that goes with and all the, the equipment that goes with that sport. No, so it's, there's it's, not only getting in the game, but being in the game. It's expensive. Hey, Frankie, thank you for the call. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Let's go to uh, Dan over in Booton. Uh, Dan, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is a little, a little sick. But anyway, um, I had a little story of my uh, my youth. My uh, <clears throat> when I when I played, my um, I was pretty much one of the better better players in our town. And then my uh, my parents got divorced, and my stepfather decided to be a coach. Uh-huh. And even even when I moved from town to town, I was still you know pretty much one of the better players, whatever. But he uh. He took a different route. He <clears throat> he actually, since I was one of their players, he decided to coach, and he thought it was a better idea to to I did teach everybody else. You know, instead of putting me in shortstop every game or pitching me whenever he could, he'd put me in right field or put me in you know positions to let other kids give them a chance to play. You know, good. But you don't, I don't think you see that too often. No, you uh, don't. I mean, again, and and. Um... I think that's all part and parcel of the issue that, uh, you know, we know that parents who do get involved and run all these teams, they get uh, obsessed with winning instead of letting uh, all a bunch of kids have a chance to participate at different positions. As you say, Dan, they get caught up in this whole winning stuff. And, and that's that's not the purpose of youth sports. The purpose is to let the kids go out and try different positions, get their chance uh, to play in the game, and to enjoy themselves. We can worry about winning down the road as the kids get older and more mature, but not the youth level. Dan, th- yeah, I, kids, th- I kids actually crying in the huddle because their dad was up in the stands screaming. I mean, you can hear him well, screaming that's, for, the, for the bleachers. That, 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 that's just, uh, you know, uh, child abuse, that kind of nonsense. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's, 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 that's terrible. Dan, and as far as, as, far as uh, kids, you know, out in the – like on regular basketball courts and that kind of stuff these days. It's, I mean, back in my day, we, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We would organize, you know, football games within the town, you know, me and we'd have so many players that we'd have a full 11, 11 and guys waiting to play, you know, just. But those days, how, those days, as you know, are unfortunately are gone. You know, they don't, they yeah. don't happen anymore. Hey, let me move on. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Right, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go up to uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Jeff, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Good, Jeff. Um, I run a local Little League here in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and we've watched our numbers drop by two-thirds over the course of ten years. Two-thirds. That's pretty substantial. It's, we, we've gone from as high as 450 down to a low of about a buck and a quarter. And, and Jeff, why? Why is that happening? I think we lost. Some of it is some oh, of it is travel ball and daddy ball. Yeah. You know, um, some of it is other sports. 
Baseball used to be the springtime sport. Now we see lacrosse being played. Now we see soccer. Now we see uh, the flag football being played with us. So it's it's across the board. But I see a lot of kids. We've, we've tried to run our schedule around travel ball. And these travel coaches will tell you, oh, we want you to go play in your local community, and we want you to play in your little league. And then, you know, they tell you, well, unless you're playing a game, you're here at our practice, not your practice, little league. Ah, oh. <laughs> so you know it's it's they play their games and then you know I've gone and I've done the cost to put one of these kids on the field for a travel game or for for a, an AAU travel league. It's between four and five hundred dollars is the actual cost. Now you will not find a, a travel team that's going to run at five hundred dollars per kid. They usually start at nine hundred dollars and up for the for the cheap teams, mm-hmm. and then they go as high as three thousand mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. And where's all that extra money going? It's not being put back into. It's not being put back into training. No, it obviously goes to. They'll tell you. Well, the money goes to take care of um, the field rental, the umpires, the insurance. Some of it is. Well, no, figuring. No, no, no. The four and five hundred dollars that I figured out. Yeah. That's the insurance. That's the cost for umpires for the games. Okay. That's the cost of whatever rentals they have. That's but, everything. That's the cost per kid because I've looked into doing a team myself. Because I'm sick and tired of losing all the kids from our little league, and I figured if I could offer us a travel team in the league, then maybe I hold on to some of our kids. Yeah, and what happened? And well, it's I'm really in the developmental stages, so this is why I have the numbers. Yes, but everything over that four and five hundred dollars is gravy to yeah. whoever is running that organization. Well, of course they they can honestly, you know, Jeff, uh, any travel coach can tra- can charge whatever he wants. Yes, because it's not regulated. There's no there's no transparency. There's none of that stuff, uh, because and they say, look, this is the this is your your son is going to benefit by playing against better competition and theoretically get better coaching and and all this is much much better than playing for the local little league team. And when I watch my coaches leave, or I watch a handful of coaches leave to go be part of a travel organization, they're running the same. They're doing the they're doing the same, using the same skills, they're doing the, the same practices yeah. <laughs> that we run in Little League. Yes. But they're getting better, but they're getting more concentrated practice is, is what they want you to believe, and it's really not the truth. Now, is the competition better? Yes. But if a kid knows how to play ball, they know how to play ball. You know, that's not going to change. But the point you just made is the fact is that uh, the instruction, the coaching, uh, all those kind of things which are so critically important to a, a young kid trying to master baseball – it's the same whether it's at the little league level or at the so-called travel team level. It's all it's the same coaches, the same the same kind of instruction, and yet the difference is it costs a lot more money to play on the travel team. And so, that's what people don't understand. My own stepson, his mother wants him in a travel program, so he's done a travel program for the last year and a half. Yeah, and I can tell you, he gets more training when he's with my team in little league than he does with his travel team, because his travel team just does scrimmages. Just plays games. That's, hey, let, let me stop you there. Uh, excellent observations. Jeff, thanks, thanks for checking in this morning. Thank you. And, and, and what Jeff is saying that's true, and maybe this is the reason why we've seen the declining numbers at the youth level, is because you, you really need, particularly with baseball and softball, you need a lot of development, a lot of coaching, a lot of time to practice, 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 which you get with a program like Jeff's. But the reality is at the travel team, it's all about scrimmages. It's all about games, games, and games. 
you don't necessarily get better with your skills playing a game. It's all about development and practice time. And that's something I think that's often overlooked when it comes to our travel programs. All right, let me take a time out. When I return, we'll continue with the calls at one 337 6666 Dave Uram has your update. Stay with me. And speaking of baseball, don't forget Ed Randall will be by here at 9 o'clock this morning. And Ed will be talking baseball as he does every Sunday morning. Uh, don't forget to check out my website at AskCoachWolf.com. In fact, uh, I'm now beginning to speak uh, to book speaking events for the fall of 2017. If you'd like me to come and to talk to your community or school about sports parenting issues, all you have to do is go to, go to AskCoachWolf.com for more details, or you can actually email me directly at AskCoachWolf at gmail.com. And we're talking this morning about what sports we're seeing on the rise and what sports were on the decline. Getting some interesting thoughts and comments about all this. Uh, we've noticed, of course, that, that baseball and, and softball, the numbers are, are, for some reason, declining in certain parts of our area. Uh, we've known for some time that even with the individual sports, uh, in particular, like, like tennis, uh, tennis is, is having a hard time getting a lot of young kids to go out and try that sport. Uh, you know, football, we've noted that the concussions have played a huge role in the declining numbers with that. But the, the overall theme I'm hearing this morning is that because of uh, most of these kids, by the time they're 9, 10, or 11, uh, regardless of the sport they play, if they're not being deemed at that age, at a very young age, to be one of the premier athletes in their town or community and don't make a, an elite travel team, for the most part, those kids' sports career are, is over. Uh, and, you know, I've called these kids the kids who are a step behind the other uh, gifted kids. Uh, those kids are the bubble kids, the ones that are a step behind, but they have plenty of time to catch up in middle school or high school. But because of the way our system is now running, those kids are sort of basically sort of, you know, uh, thrown out of the system. They just don't have a chance to improve because there's no more place for them to play uh, and play a lot. And that's a real concern, and it may explain why the numbers continue to dwindle. Anyway, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, to Bill and Walden. Bill, good morning. You're on the fan. Yeah, good morning, Rick. Yeah, Bill. Um, I just wanted to back up what uh, Jeff from Bridgeport was saying. I, too, was a uh, president of the local Little League, and saw our numbers go from the high 400s down into the 100s also. Uh-huh. And it was there's three things that I noticed. I also uh, was a manager, but I noticed three things. That uh, first was uh, year-round year-round concentration on a given sport. Second was the, uh, the the travel baseball and softball, and third was a uh, lacrosse. It really boomed here in the Mid Hudson Valley. It was it was big down Long Island. It was big up in the Southern Tier. It never really made it here, but mm-hmm. once it got here, it took uh, it took a real hit on both softball and baseball. But the year-round specialization, you know, once the once the girls got 11, 12, uh, the, the parents thought, oh, well, you know, their ticket is basketball. That's all they're going to be. And so they're, they're playing basketball year-round. And, and some of these girls, by the time they're 16, 17 years old, you know, they're juniors and seniors in high school, they've had enough. They, they just can't deal with this and they're quitting. Well, Bill, and, that, uh, that's, that's, that course, uh, it has been the concern that the, the lure of travel programs, when, when a travel coach is talking to a, a parent, about their youngster, who and they say, look, you know, your daughter is a terrific basketball player, but if she really wants to get to the higher echelons, it's going to be essential that she give up the other sports and play basketball all year round. And as you say, that, that ticket gets punched early on, uh, and, you know, the kid for the next six, seven years is playing only basketball, and, and, you know, the kids do get burned out or say, you know, I wish I had 
played other sports because that's just not as much fun as playing basketball as not much fun as it used to be. That's a problem. Yeah, well, the, you know, and the thing that I find, it's the, the kids that are going to get hurt are the ones that just want to play for the love of the game. They just want to go out there and play. They know that they're not going to play in college. They know they're not going pro. And whatever it is, they just want to go out. They want to have a good time. They're the ones that are getting left behind because these teams are folding. You know, the ones that think they're better, they're, they're going out to the travel teams. And politics gets involved, so they'll get burnt out on that. And it's just, it's it's hurting the kids that just want to play for the love of the game. They, Bill, I, I couldn't agree more. Those kids who just want to play sports and, and realize I mean, their goal is not necessarily to become a professional or play college level, but they want to enjoy the experience of playing high school sports. Those kids get disenfranchised because they haven't committed to a one sport or to a travel program, and they want to play a variety of sports, but there's no place for them to develop those skills. And, and they, just, they, just, they just get basically flushed down, flushed down out of the way, as simple as that. Bill, thank you for the Hi, call. Rich. Take care. Yeah, very good talk. Let's go to uh, Rich in Stormville. Hi, Rich. Good morning. You're on the fan. Morning, Rich. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. Um, your last two callers really did a, a great job. Um, I believe that lacrosse and soccer have taken away some of the players, and uh, baseball numbers are down all over. I coached high school for 10 years and AAU for 10 years. Uh-huh. Simultaneously. Um, the numbers in high school are down. You can't get players. You're getting more academically um, inclined type of students that aren't playing. Uh, and the AAU, a lot of the kids are leaning towards that, and they are working year-round. So there is nowhere for the middle-of-the-road kid to go. Um, he has, in, in today's structure, the way it's set up years ago, growing up in the city, you could play different sports. You could be athletic. You could play on CYO teams. Today, everything is so structured because of the way we live. But what I think is happening also is a lot of these kids that are in the middle of the road and get lost, they find other things to do. You know, there's, you know, computers. <laughs> there are a lot of other areas in life that these kids are starting to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's where they're going. In my own particular situation, my son had an office. He could have played for uh, Coach Decker up at um, Harvard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he would have stayed in school an extra year, he was a little young. And he got burnt out. He didn't want to play, period. He had offers. The best thing to do is, if you want money, my son got 50000 a year from B.C. for academics. You're never going to get that. DECA, um, Northeastern, and, and these schools are saying, how much did he get? <laughs> and I, I, never, you know, I don't have a kid on a team that got $50,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. No, I, I, I hear you, Rich, and, and that's... That's something I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, it's all up for a lot of moms and dads. Look, let's face it. College is unbelievably expensive and they get so focused on, on man, my kid's going to be an elite uh, travel player and it's going to get a scholarship for sports. And they overlook the fact that the kid is actually a good student that he or she might end up getting an academic scholarship to a top college. Which, yeah, go ahead. Can't be taken, which can't be taken away if you keep your grades up. Yes, but- <laughs> Unlike baseball or sports, it can be taken away if you're injured and the coach wants to put someone else on the team. Correct. So, uh, you know, now for the kids that aren't academically sound, you know, they're desperate to play. They're desperate for money. Well, maybe they should look into doing something else because, um, you know, it, it, 
there isn't a lot of money. You get a quarter of a scholarship, you get a half. If you're a stud, you get a half. Yeah, I mean, well, look, and, and Rich, thank you for the call this morning. I I, uh, I think you're right on, on target. The fact is sometimes parents have to be sort of reminded that there, if you really want to make sure your kid has a shot at getting a scholarship to college, it may not, happen, may not be the athletic route. It might be the educational academic route. And as, as you just pointed out, you know, especially for those non-revenue sports, and we've discussed this in the past, the non-revenue sports in college like soccer or baseball, softball, you know, the most you're going to get, uh, the most is maybe a half. Uh, most of them are sliced and diced even less than that. So you're still going to be uh, looking at some major tuition bills, uh, even if your kid's getting a partial scholarship. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. The only real sports that pay the full freight are football and basketball, maybe hockey, maybe lacrosse. But for the most part, the other ones are just uh, just mere drops in the bucket when it comes to, to paying the bills. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. When I return, we'll continue with our conversation. Let's go over to Levittown. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing today? Good, Tom. Yeah, about the minute. So please uh, right, fire okay. away. Real quickly, I got two points. I'll just make one of them, though. Yeah. I don't think I've heard it uh, being mentioned yet. Is I don't have the time. I wish I did. I don't have the time. I have two daughters, 8 and 13. Mm-hmm. I signed them up for softball. The 13-year-old was a good softball player. But, you know, this week the game was on Monday and Thursday. Next week practice was on Wednesday. The following week there were games on different nights. Mm-hmm. My wife's score schedule, my work schedule, I couldn't do it. And uh, they also did dance. And with dance, you could sign them up in September for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 5 o'clock at night. And at least I knew either I could do it or I could arrange rides a month ahead of time. But they were good softball players, and I couldn't do it. I just don't have the time. I think a lot of parents feel the same way. We don't have the time for all this. Tom, one of the great, uh, uh, and I hear you, uh, and I'm glad you called this morning, you know, things have changed demographically. Uh, you know, a generation ago, usually the, the father was the, the breadwinner, mom was the stay-at-home. Those times have gone, and obviously both moms and dads both work, uh, and, and uh, you know, th- th- there's a shift. Uh, and as you said, if, if the practices are during the week and, and the parents can't get there, it, it puts a tremendous uh, uh, strain uh, to get the kids to where they have to go. And, and kids, as you said, have other things in their lives besides playing softball. They, can, they want to go dance, do other things. That's all part of this as well. Tom, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. You know, and, and, you know, this is what we're talking about. A lot of things have changed. But one thing I'm hearing today, which I think explains why we're seeing a drop in the enrollment uh, of these sports, uh, is, well, two reasons. One, fact is today, if your kid's not a star and recognized as a star by the time they're 10, they're not going to be on that fast track to play sports. Uh, and, and two, kids are specializing at such a young age, they play one sport all year round, they're not going to play another sport. So if they're not playing baseball or softball as their sport, they're not going to go out for, the, for a baseball team or a softball team in the spring. It's as simple as that. Things are changing dramatically. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Brian Rascona. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.